Less talk, more rock. Or more talk, less rock. Whatever you fancy, we got you covered. Radio Nope. Hi, it's Derek Sheen. You're listening to Music On with Music Off. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Music On with Music Off. I've been on tour for a while, and I um I had a rough time uh, right before I left in January. I lost my gram. I lost my 92 year old grandmother. She passed away. Uh, who? Someone just oh, that's I mean that's super sweet, but also she was fucking 92. All right, like you can take it down a notch. She's she was 92. What else did you? How long did you want her to live? By the way, do you want to want her to live longer? Because 90 the 90s suck. I don't know if you know. Or late 90s are the worst. A lot. Of, I know we're all scared of death. I get that we're all fucking frightened of them. Or like, what's going to happen? What's up beneath the veil? What's on the other side of the wall? It doesn't matter. 92 sucks. 92 is too fucking long to live, okay? I know we're afraid of death, but we don't need to live that long, all right? Let's fucking quit it. 92. My grandfather told me, like, if I knew now what I knew then... I would have cashed my chips in at 80 because I no longer wake up anymore. I come to. <laughs> Every morning, he's just like, ah, ah, shit, Oof. hands, okay, it's still happening, still awake, still alive. Okay, fuck, fuck, how long does this keep going on? 80, 92, man, like, what, my, the call I got from my uncle, very empathetic, very sweet, he called me at 5.30 in the morning, and he was like, hey, I got some uh, bad news, man. I'm sorry to wake you up. I know you have a lot on your plate right now. Um, uh, I just, I got some real bad news, man. We, um, sometime around 4 a.m., we lost Graham, and <sighs> shit, I'm sorry, man. Um, we're just all real shocked here. <laughs> Fuck did you just say? Like, I was with you right up until the weird thing that you just said. How the fuck are you shocked a 92-year-old person died peacefully in their home of natural causes? The fuck are you calling me crying that a 92... How are you shocked that she's dead? What, 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 what else is she going to do in her 90s that surprised you? Like, learn Spanish or become a barista? When you're in your 90s, fucking start prepping. You're gonna die soon, okay? This shouldn't be a shock to anybody, all right? The only way I'm gonna be shocked if I lose a 92-year-old relative is if you call me and go, hey, I'm sorry to wake you up, man. I know you got a lot on your plate. Um, 
I got some real bad news. Um, a couple weeks ago, your Graham walked outside naked and uh, covered her whole body in a viscous mucous membrane. And oh, God damn it, um, she folded herself into a little ball, just cradled herself up on the porch. And over the last 14 days, the mucus just hardened into an impenetrable shell. And, oh man, I don't know, man, sometime around 4 a.m., her winged body erupted from the cocoon and shot into the clouds, and now she's just flying around scaring school kids, waiting for the bus. I'm sorry, we're all shocked here. That's the only time you should be fucking shocked, okay? Also, fuck her. She was kind of a racist. Last conversation I had with my gram, she dropped the N-word. And I was like, don't. What are you doing right now? Why would you do that? I love you. I, I thought you had love in your heart. Why would you say that? Graham, can you just do me a favor, please? Can you just, for me, can you just evolve a little bit? That Can that be your gift for me? Just evolve your thinking a little bit. And her response was, oh, Derek, I'm from a different generation. Bitch, you're FaceTiming me right now on a fucking iPad, okay? You dumb racist. You don't get to fucking... And she shot into the fucking clouds. Um... From his comedy album, Disasturbation, released in 2017, that's Mr. Derek Sheen of Seattle, Washington, or one time of Seattle, Washington. He's somewhere here in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, that song's called, or that song, yeah, everything's, a, the, the world is a song. But that track from Derek Shane was, uh, he calls that Flying Racist Grandma. I call it Flying Racist Grandma because my name is Brian Musikoff. You're listening to Music On with Music. What's the big idea, Brian? The Big Idea is Stand-Up Comedy, volume number two. Volume number one was episode number 14, which took place last November, almost a year ago. You can find that here in the archives uh, on radionope.com. Let's get rolling with the funny business. Here's Jonathan Winters. Hi, gang. Hi, gang, and welcome. Everything seems to be so peaceful and quiet around here tonight. So I guess we better uh, see if we can get some kind of disturbance going here in our audience. So any of you folks have any burning questions on your gourds? Uh, yes, Dick. I'd like to ask you to do uh, your impression of a doctor doing his first heart transplant. Okay. Well, uh, members here of the uh, Norgor Hospital, uh, this wonderful man here, Mr. Howard Langlinger, has uh, come in here. And uh, Howard... I know it's tough for you to shake while you're down. Uh, relax. We're going to give you a new heart. As yet, uh, students and members of the medical faculty, we have not been able to uh, get a decent heart, what I call a decent heart. We've had ones that are, you know, a few things wrong with them, and we do want to get you a goodie. <laughs> so, uh, just uh, what we'll do is, has the anesthetic uh, an anesthesiast been here? Oh, you seem to be wobbling a little. 
I, I gave him pretty good uh... <laughs> Well, we'll do it. Drinking on the job, doctor? Well, I had a few. I mean, why the heck? I'm not, I don't have to get in there with the scalpel and everything. That's your job, so I just shoot a little stuff into his bed. He's out. Well, why do I? Carol, bad taste. Okay, is he under? I must know that. Give me his paw. Yes, okay. Well, we'll get right on with it. You want to give me a regular knife will do? There we go. Ah, double or nothing. <laughs> Nurse, nurse. Uh... Yes, what is it? <laughs> I'm 23. <laughs> ha, ha, I'm in War Three. <laughs> All right, sweetheart, uh, wonderful. Stop wearing mini dresses around the hospital. It, it's not good, especially in the intensive care wards. <laughs> I tend to phase out right away. Um, did you get the, uh, the heart that I asked about? No, I didn't. I'm sorry, but I got a fox terrier's heart. <laughs> Fox Terrier's heart. Mr. Jameson. Mr. Jameson. I'll have to do a throw it over here, will you, dear? Okay, you want to give me that regular zipper there? All right, uh, get him out in there to the other ward there when he comes around the recovery ward. I'll talk to him. Give him a little time there. Time's up. Sometimes the mouse is sitting over there. It's okay, uh, okay uh, Dr. Jamison, how do you feel? Doctor? Uh, I'm, you're not the, I'm the doctor, of course. Well, I've been under a lot of pressure today. You're the patient. Right, you're the patient. How are you feeling, sir? Take your time now. Remember, this cameras, television, the world is looking at it. Make a big guy out of me. So, say the right thing, won't you? Since I've been here in California, I've made it a point to catch some of the very interesting sights out here, especially the nightclubs. The performers there are really something to see. For instance, the other night, I got to see the nightclub debut of little Dottie Dimple. Now, we all remember Dottie when she was in her pinafore and pigtails, and she sang her way into the nation's heart a few years ago on one of the major television shows. Well, Dottie has changed. The other night, she opened at a top Hollywood nightclub, the Coconut Grove. And gone was the pinafore, gone were the pigtails, and gone were the dimples. And in their place, the trench coat, the French cap, and the dramatic cigarette. The only trouble is Dottie never learned how to smoke. <laughs> C'est une chanson qui nous ressemble. Toi tu m'aimais, je t'aimais. Nous vivions sur et nous ensemble. Toi qui m'aimais, toi qui t'aimais. Thank <laughs> you. 
I got to see the nightclub debut debut of a of a Hollywood starlet. <laughs> yes. Uh, one who hasn't been doing too well in motion pictures lately, so her agent has booked her into a top Hollywood nightclub, backed up by 30 of the hardest working chorus boys you ever saw, <laughs> who introduced our movie starlet like this. California. <laughs> I would like to do the now famous scene from my latest seminar triumph. The dramatic scene for whom, for which, <laughs> oh my, the dramatic scene for which I will be nominated for an Academy Award. <laughs> Could I please have Complete silence while I get my image. <laughs> Thank you. that if I don't win the Academy Award next year, <laughs> it's fixed. <laughs> Please join me in welcoming Mr. Don Rickles.
I feel like I'm at a dance and nobody showed. <laughs> this, is, this is a great set, really. It's so out of proportion, it's ridiculous. It really is. <laughs> this is idiotic. I, one Jew standing here alone, if, uh, if there's an Arab in the back, I can get picked off and die, right, 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 right. <laughs> Shut up, Lou, just do the best you can. Did Jerry tell you about this the last night? Ah, don't worry about it, Lou, you got, you got a lot of things going for you. You're working a grill in downtown Los Angeles. Anyway, this is Lou Brown. When Jerry gets up, Lou says, is, is, is Jerry up? He went, oh, then I'm up. Anyway, uh, Jerry, it's, it's, it's such a treat for me to get up early, to be here, for this wonderful, wonderful occasion. I mean, I know the children and I know the problem, but I, I say from my heart, really, I'm so annoyed with you. I really, I, I was never a fan of you, as you know that. And yet you've asked me to come and it was very sweet of you to ask me. Ed wanted me to come, but he thought I had a bottle of booze in my hip pocket. But you have never liked, you know that. We've always known each other. I remember years ago when I asked you to introduce me to Dean and you said, not now, kid, I'm tied up tap dancing. But, uh, and look at you today. You're the same age as me, only on you it shows. Everybody, Sammy, they all told you you look handsome, you look wonderful. Look at your neck. You can tell your age right away. The neck hangs a little bit, you know what I mean? In a year, you're gonna be on a fence going, ah, 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 ah. I did that and two Mexicans in the back went, time to go to work. Anyway. Now don't write letters, I love the Mexican people. My gardener's a Mexican. Uh, I want you to know this. Jerry, I'm over here. Jerry keeps circling around like he's got a little key on his tuchus and he can't figure out where the hell he is. Anyway, Ed, you're great. You got a lot of funny lines. Anyway, uh, Ed's here only as a favorite. You, you heard about Johnny, it was a two-seater. Two well, they pulled up, they cleared the mountain. Don't worry about it. Anyway, uh, very close. You can start Schmeichel and Jerry, because when Johnny retires, I know who the new guy's gonna be, right? <laughs> you do enough of these, you'll be his personal friend. Uh, I gotta tell you, Jerry, really, uh, this is, uh, this is, my wife would have been here, but the excitement was too much for her. She's, naturally, she's at Gucci. But uh, that's where Jewish ladies go. We just came back from Europe. By the way, we went to Monte Carlo. Remember I spoke to you? Jerry, tap on the table if you hear me. Kids have problems, he's deaf. Anyway, uh, Jerry, Jerry, I was in, Jerry, Jerry, I was in, uh, <laughs> I mentioned your name in France and you got a medal there and three guys went, you want a cab? Uh, listen, nobody even knows you in France. You, you, you got the American public with, that, with, the, with your medals and everything. I mentioned it to everybody. I said, you know Jerry Lewis, the guy said, I'm a busy man. Listen, uh, the great thing that I must say to you, really, from my heart, really, please don't call me anymore. I can't handle it, I really can't. I mean, benefits are benefits. This is a worthy charity, and it's not only a charity, it's, it's a mitzvah, and you do wonderful things. But I remember in the hospital, right after the heart operation, I was the first guy, remember? And I came and I leaned over the bed and you said, I'm gonna live. And I took the pillow. Anyway, uh, the legs were kicking like you can't believe. He made Jack Nicholson look normal. Anyway, I can't believe how you pulled through. I was betting against it, I swear to God. I saw you in the hospital, your wife said to you, doesn't he look great? I lied, you look bad, Jerry. I swear to God. You had tubes all over you and one doctor kept blowing into him. 
And you kept saying, get Dean, get Dean. Anyway, and Dean was in the hall with a big knife going, shoo, shoo, cutting all the tubes. Anyway, uh, now that's a joke, Dean loves him. Uh, like I care, what the hell do I care if Dean loves him or not, I got my own troubles. Listen, Jerry, uh, Jerry, I, I do want to say really, Sammy will be out again when it slows up, he's in the back now, he's, he's just warming up. The black guys, they got strength beyond belief, really. He, he's back there going, am I going on again? Anyway, uh, what time is Jerry going to put me on again? Anyway, he's tap dancing his brains out. Ed, anyway, you don't have to call me sir. King of all Jews will be sufficient. Uh, but I must say, it's no more. Oh, thank you so much. Then I can go have, have a little stage manager going, that's ample. Mr. Don Rickles from Jerry Lewis's Muscular Dystrophy Association fundraiser from the year 1984. We heard Don Rickles' segment. Preceding that, we heard Miss Carol Burnett stand up from 1958. Before Carol Burnett, we heard Jonathan Winters from his record Stuff and Nonsense, released in 1969. We heard a cut called Heart Transplant. I shall now leave the talking to the late Mitch Hedberg. Thank you. I, I, all right. <laughs> I was going to say, how's everybody? But then I refrained. <laughs> Did uh, um, anyone see me on a Letterman show? No? All right. All right. All right. I know, like, four million people watch that show, and I don't know where they are. I cannot locate them. But I believe that, you know, that's my dream introduction right there, you know. You might have seen this next comedian on the David Letterman show. But I, I believe more people have seen me at the store. You know? And, and that would be a better introduction. You might have seen this next comedian at the store. And people would say, hell yes, I have. He likes kiwi fruit. Yeah. I didn't like kiwi at first because I thought it was like watermelon. I thought you had to spit out the seeds. No, I, that, was, that was a risk doing that joke. This jacket is dry clean only, which means it's dirty. <laughs> dry clean only, all right, here we go. Here we go, I'm ready to go to the bar. <laughs> hey, I think a rotisserie is like a really morbid Ferris wheel for chickens. It's a strange piece of machinery. We will take the chicken, kill it, and impale it, and then rotate it. And I'll be damned if I'm not hungry. Because spitting chicken carcasses make my mouth water. I like dizzy chicken with some mashed potatoes. <laughs> you know, you can't, you can't please all the people all the time. And last night, all those people came to my show. watermelon in my teeth I feel like I got free watermelon in the bag and I've been overindulging I opened up a yogurt and underneath the lid it said please try again they were having a contest I was unaware of but I thought I might have opened the yogurt wrong 
<laughs> or, or maybe, maybe your play was trying to inspire me. Come on, Mitch, don't give up. Please try again. <laughs> A message of inspiration from your friends at Yo Play. Fruit on the bottom, hope on top. <laughs> I'm so unanimated once the cameras are rolling. <laughs> at the wrong time to be unanimated, I would say. All right. I can't wait till this set's over because I have a roll of lifesavers in my pocket and pineapple is next. You know, if I made an orange juice, I wouldn't be so hardcore on people. I would be more polite. Like, I would not print shake well on the card because you don't know how good people can shake, you know? I would write, shake to the best of your ability. They don't have a diagram that shows the uninitiated how to shake. All right, put it over here. Then put it over here. Then put it over here quicker. I like to work in Las Vegas. Las Vegas is a very exciting town. And, uh, I work at the Riviera Hotel. Uh, there's four comedians on the bill, and we all had similar hair because we were all using the Riviera in-house shampoo. <laughs> it was two-in-one shampoo. Two-in-one is not a good term because it's, it's not real, because one is not big enough to hold two. That's why two was created. If it was two and one, it would be overflowing. I like to play blackjack, it's my favorite game. And my friend is a blackjack dealer, and on his forearm, he has a tattoo of an ace and a jack. See, I'm a blackjack player. On my forearm, I'm gonna get a tattoo of a 10 and a two. <laughs> then maybe later, a king. <laughs> I wish 12 was a game in Las Vegas. All right. I basically said the joke again. <laughs> I get up in the morning and I make myself a bowl of instant oatmeal. And then I don't do anything for an hour which makes me wonder why I need the instant oatmeal. I could get the regular oatmeal and feel productive. I like Kit Kats unless I'm with four or more people. I work at this club in Nashville and uh, it's a, you know, five-night-a-week club or something, and uh, I wasn't getting very many laughs, so the club owner took me aside. He said, Mitch, you know, you're not getting a lot of laughs. You're going to have to vacuum. He made me vacuum the club. It was embarrassing. So I told the next guy, hey, y'all got to start laughing. Otherwise, don't drop anything. <laughs> were they a good crowd? Yeah, they were neat. 
Some com- some comedy clubs they hand out comment cards and those are rude. I don't like those. You know? Like I pretend this is one here. Like people fill it out. You know, there's a name and address, and there's a line that says comments, and and people write down what they thought of the show. And sometimes people write negative things, and that's not necessary. <laughs> like some, I read something that say Mitch sucks. Then you look up above, it has their name and address. That's right, I do suck, but I got a lot of free time. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen. Rich Hedberg! Be right back. Fuck a relationship. Motherfuckers always talking about, it's better to have loved and lost than to never have loved at all. Fuck that. I say it's better to have some dick in your life than no dick at all. God damn it, this is... Change that whole damn thing up, son. I want to get fucked good. I want to get fucked so good that you just want to buy him something. You just... You're like, nigga, you don't need no tires. You don't need... You, then you don't, you don't want no money to start a business? <laughs> oh, you want some spaghetti? <laughs> then you start crying. You ever cried over some dick, yo? Cause y'all know the good man and the good dick don't come in the same package. No, it don't, fuck that. Now, I, now I'm not saying that the good man can't fuck, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying he don't fuck you as good as that nigga that treats you like shit! Why? Why? Why, why? Why? You be over your homegirl's house crying because this nigga done dogged you out and shit. Your girl be mad as fuck. She be like, why you keep fucking with him? Why you keep going back to this nigga? This nigga keep dogging you. Why you keep fucking this nigga? He get fucked. He get fucked. The dick is too good. I can't let it go. No. This nigga chase you in the parking lot at church in front of your mama. You be like, but I love him. And you were there, and who are you? And there's Toto going, you're stoned, man. You're just stoned. But see, there's people know who are even beyond marijuana. You know, the people who are going like, hey, is the show on? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? The Peruvian marching powder, the devil's dandruff. It's a nice thing, though. Cocaine, mm, what a wonderful drug. Anything that makes you paranoid and impotent, give me more of that. Mm, what a fake thing to do. Oh, we're back with sound again. Sorry about the sound. 
I got the sound from Hollywood. I, people on the balcony were going, we understood him. I guess Juilliard helped for a brief moment. I could enunciate to the back row, just like Sylvester Stallone doing Hamlet. This would be a place where Stallone could do Hamlet. To be or what? Jeez. We're back again. We were discussing cocaine for a brief moment. The sound crapped up, but that's why I'm using Sapaza sound. No one wants their tapes back. I wonder why. We're talking about how cocaine basically affects you. There's also something called freebasing. It's not free. It costs you your house. It should be called home basing. Here's a little warning sign if you have a cocaine problem. First of all, if you come home to your house, you have no furniture and your cat's going, I'm out of here, prick. Warning. Number two, if you have this dream where you're doing cocaine in your sleep and you can't fall asleep and you're doing cocaine in your sleep and you can't fall asleep and you wake up and you're doing cocaine, bingo. <laughs> Number three, if on your tax form it says $50,000 for snacks, mayday. <laughs> you got to have a cocaine problem, smartass. <laughs> and everybody's doing cocaine. Baseball players have to go in front of a grand jury. They're saying, yeah, I did cocaine. Can you blame me? It's a slow goddamn game. Come on, Jack. <laughs> I'm standing out in left field for seven innings. There's a white line going all the way down the home plate. <laughs> Hell. I see the guy putting it out going, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> And that damn organ music. The third base coach doing this shit all the time. When he does this, I don't know whether to slide or do a line. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> People sliding in the home plate head first. Yeah, you out. Doesn't matter, baby. I'm up now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't tell me. Don't tell me those old-time baseball players weren't doing cocaine. You ever see those old films of Babe Ruth? Him going like... <laughs> tell me that. He was speeding his titties off. God damn. Now, football players, you can understand doing a little medication once in a while. Because in football, you're playing a game against people who are six foot eight, weigh 250 pounds, coming at you at 80 miles an hour. <laughs> of course, you're going to go, yeah, give it to me naturally. No, no. Bubba, do you do steroids? <laughs> no, sir, I do not. <laughs> no, baby, no. No, you're playing a game against a man called the refrigerator. He is not a refrigerator. He's a goddamn house with legs. <laughs> if you're a quarterback, you pull back and go, sit down, cut, Godzilla, one, two... Pull back. Shit, it's an eclipse. <laughs> no, it's not, tiny white man. It's just me. <laughs> Tell me about the rabbits. Tell me about the rabbits. <laughs> Bad news. Remember that time? Remember the time that Theisman got tackled so hard, his leg came up way back that way? And just so it really hurt again, they showed it to you in slow motion. And every man at home is going, don't show that again. That's bad news, baby. There are even Indian yogis sitting at home going, do not try this at home. <laughs> a scary thought. Now, there must be some sports where they don't do cocaine. I mean, you can't think of golfers coked out of their ass on the first tee going, four, five, get it out of here. <laughs> I can't take it. Little golf cart, too slow, I'm running, I'm running. And you couldn't be paranoid in a sand trap going, I'm never getting out of here alive, man. I'm never getting out of here alive. The commentator? He seems to be having problems on the third tee. Why are you talking so low, man? Why are these 300 people walking behind me so slow? 
Look in the hole. There might be a snake. Look in the hole. <laughs> Golf is one of the few sports where a white man can dress like a black pimp and not look bad. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> nice thing. I want to tell you one thing. You don't really need cocaine to get really high. You know what I'm saying? Because there's another way to get really high and it's real cheap. Just run 26 miles. You ever see a marathon runner? You ever see the look on his face? It's the same look, like... <laughs> How you doing? I'm alive! <laughs> yeah! And it only costs you a pair of fucking shoes. You know what I'm saying? It's the same thing. You know why he's so high? Because his body is pumped full of endorphins. It's the brain going, if you keep this pain shit up, I'm gonna hurt you. Because <laughs> that's why when you run, the first couple of miles, you're going, I'm fabulous. <laughs> After about eight miles, you're going, I'm not too good. <laughs> After about 26 miles, you're going, why the fuck did I do this? <laughs> and you have that look like... <laughs> and you never see a guy hanging out by a track home. My man. You need a pair of Nikes? <laughs> Try one shoe on. Do this for a while. Because you don't need it. The basic thing to remember about cocaine is this. There was once a documentary. They asked the Peruvian Indian chief. They said, Chief, what's cocaine? He looked right in the camera and said, Cocaine is our little gift to the white man for what you did to us. <laughs> yeah, you take our land, we give you a monkey for your back. <laughs> that seems fair. Yeah. yeah, don't you know that? Don't you see it now, Spavin? Of course, I know a lot of people going, you know, Helen and I, basically, we did drugs in the 70s, but in the 80s, what we like to do is get all of our stuff together and go, hmm, that gets me high, that's it. We like to look at the sharper image catalog and go, we don't have that yet, we don't have that yet. <laughs> and that whole thing in Africa pisses me off. Everyone's sending food to Africa, let's send some cocktails, let's make it a party, goddamn. There's your father over there with 15 cups of coffee, eight cigarettes, going, your mother and I never did drugs. Beep, come on, ha. <laughs> Your mom's taking three Valium. She's passed out in front of the TV going, don't change the channel. <laughs> don't you see? Don't you see? Oh, look at this. Maybe if Japanese people did cocaine, it'd be like, hi. Don't look at this. Holy shit. Robin Williams from 1986, live at the Met in New York City. It's a bit called Cocaine. And if you heard that bit in 1986, or if you heard it today, and you told me that that did not make you curious or interested in the effects of said cocaine, then you are a liar. Stay off the tootski, kids. All right. Before Robin Williams, we heard Miss Leslie Jones from her Netflix, her Netflix special of 2009. Song's called Relationships and Good Dick. Thanks, Miss Jones. You're a very funny lady. Preceding Leslie Jones, we heard the very funny Mitch Hedberg, a stand-up. He is Miss Dearly. Let's move along to another comedian who's also Miss Dearly. Here's Mr. Rajni. Give me some of that uh, Robin Williams stuff. Here's Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> I'll tell you, it's nice being here at the duplex. It's like home. I like it working here. I, don't, I like New York. I don't like to travel, you know, go on the road. I mean, I don't like to travel for one reason. Because I got a car. No matter where I want to go, my car don't want to go there. <laughs> With my car, I got nothing but trouble, nothing. And it's always heavy trouble. I mean, other people have trouble with their car, they pull in a gas station, loose wire, no charge, they're back in the road. With me, for years, I've been hearing the same thing from every mechanic, you know. You ain't using this car tonight. 
Well, the other day I was having my car fixed, I started talking to a mechanic. I said to him, what, you go to school on how to do this? He says, I didn't go to school. I said, well, how'd you learn to fix cars? He says, I can't fix cars. I said, well, how come they gave you a job here as a mechanic? He said, well, all I had to do was learn how to say, you ain't using this car tonight. <laughs> Finally, I got my bill for the car. The bill said, it said parts, $8, labor, $55. I figured a bill must be legitimate. There was grease on it. <laughs> I went over to the head mechanic. I said, hey, what's with this labor? $55. Must be a mistake. Can you check it out? So we checked it out. He went over to a car that was being worked on, and he started to talk to two feet. <laughs> Later on, I found out there was no one under the car. You know. <laughs> They're fake feet. <laughs> you buy them, they cost $7 a pair. You slip them under a car, you talk to them, that's all, you know. And I'll tell you, you talk to these auto mechanics, they'll tell you how hard they work. They put in 12 hours a day. They may put in 12 hours, they don't work 12 hours. Because they only work when there's people around. You know? When they're alone, they don't do a thing. <laughs> What's up, mister? You got a dead battery? I'm sorry, I'm all alone here. I'm alone here. I can't do nothing. I'm alone here. I'll tell you, I think I spent half of my life hanging around gas stations. I mean, one thing when I look for my car, it's so easy for me to find it, you know? It's always on a lift. I'm always watching it going up and down and up and down. I got the only car has more miles on it vertically than horizontally. <laughs> and there's one thing with gas stations I can't figure out. I mean, sometimes you pull up, you want to use a men's room and a ladies' room in a hurry, you rush over, the door is locked, you know. Yes, you tender for the key, touches in the office. You go in the office, the cash register is there, the safe is there, everything is wide open. But the men's room is locked. <laughs> you young people a question. Where y'all come up with all these new diseases y'all got? <laughs> young people got new, they got acid reflux and compulsive shopping, compulsive shopping. You're a thief, that's what you are. <laughs> Tell them baby boomers, we grew, yeah, yeah, y'all only, we grew up, we had three diseases, didn't we? We had the measles, the mumps, and the chicken pox. That's all we could afford. <laughs> now you got the new, they got another disease called ADD. Y'all heard about that one? Tell these young kids we grew up, ADD ain't nothing a good ass whooping couldn't cure. <laughs> ADD, these are just cold letters that the doctor came up with. The doctor couldn't come around and say, Miss Brown, your child's a fool. Because that wouldn't be good for business. Any doctors in here? Any doctors in here? Two, three doctors back there? Everybody working in the medical industry, raise your hands. All of you need your ass kicked. Everybody here want to know, doctor, why do we have a 10 o'clock appointment to see you doctors? We don't get to see the 11, 15, 11, 30, 11, 45. Then they walk out and ask you, what's the problem? The problem I've been waiting on your ass for an hour and a half. <laughs> then they walk by you, be patient, be patient. That's how they came up with the name. <laughs> Everybody in the middle, even people work at the drugstore. 
had to go in the drugstore yesterday and get some, my foot is hurting, I had to get some Dr. Shaw products and they got it all the way in the back of the store. Put that stuff up at the front of the store with the pens and condoms and, and people need KY jelly, people in a hurry, got to go. They got a commercial in Los Angeles, environmentalists, ecologists, they're concerned about SUVs consuming too much energy. And their slogan is, what would Jesus drive? Have you heard about that one? What would Jesus drive? And you know me, I be thinking. Jesus would drive a Honda. Jesus would drive a Honda. If you read your Bibles, Acts 2 and 1 says, we shall all be in one accord. Commercials make me sick. So much stuff like me. You know what makes me sick? People saying stupid stuff. I got off the airplane today, a man said to me, my wife gonna die when I tell her I saw you. I said, well, don't tell her. Why do people say stupid stuff? I'm on the airplane, a man sitting next to me, you going all the way? I said, I hope like hell I'm going all the way. I didn't buy no halfway ticket. I'll be thinking about stuff. How come they got 18 handicapped parking spaces at the Home Depot? Yeah, I said it. I talk about everybody, I ain't scared. My best friend in Los Angeles, he's in a wheelchair. He's been pleading with me for years, please write a joke about us, we wanna be talked about too. Don't feel sorry for us, you talk about everybody else, we wanna be included too. I told him, okay. I told him I'm pissed off at the government for spending $100,000 per bus to have a wider door and an elevator lift their ass up on the bus. I be thinking, how about a rope? Give him a rope, hook the ass up to the back of the bus. When you get where they're going, let go. He said, that's good. I said, oh, I'm not true. You got me started. I'm not true. 18 handicapped parking spaces at the home. When the last time you seen somebody at Home Depot on a wheelchair, uh, give me three sheets of that plywood up there and a bucket of nails. I be thinking. And I've been thinking since I was 15 years old. I had a curfew. Couldn't make it home before midnight. I was thinking, you know what I would do? I'd call my mom on the telephone. She'd pick it up. Hello? I said, ah, oh, it's okay, Ma, I got it. <laughs> These stores are driving me crazy. Did you read in the paper, Costco, they're now selling caskets, coffins. Did you read that in the paper? Coffins. You go into Costco, give me a jar of dill pickles and a case of the aluminum foil, and, and Grandma, she's not feeling too good. <laughs> give me that blue casket up there. <laughs> Only trouble is you gotta buy 12 of them to get a good deal. Let's say you like peanut butter. Let's say you like, you really, 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 really like, you like peanut butter so much you like to stick your whole head in the jar. I bought a bag of marshmallow. I use it as a mattress when my friends come over to visit me. These stores are driving me crazy. We got another store called Ikea. You got that in Canada? Ikea, I don't know what it is with this store. Scandinavian furniture, whatever, Swedish, I go in there, I see a nice little table I want, and I told the salesperson, I like to have that desk. He said, sir, I'll go in the back and get it. I said, no, this one's good, right here. He said, no, sir, you have to put it together, you gotta send me, you gotta put it together yourself. I said, no, I'll take this sample on the floor. He said, sir, you got to put it together. Then he rung it up, I wrote him a check, ripped it up into a thousand pieces, gave it to him. Put it together. These stores are crazy. Home Depot. Anybody here work at Home Depot? Does anybody here work at Home Depot? Does anybody here work at Home Depot? 
I feel like I'm in a real damn store. All these people in here, nobody work here. But you know me, I be thinking. I went down to Home Depot, couldn't find nobody to help me. I bought my own orange apron. Took a magic marker, wrote my name up there. Walking there every day with a wheelbarrow, loaded up with stuff and walked right out the damn door. Because I do that. Montreal, just for laughs. Just for laughs. I'm George Wallace. As you can tell, I'm not really an adult. I thought kids would make me an adult. I'm like, I'm going to start flossing. I'm going to register my car. Nope, nothing. None of that happened. This is when I knew I wasn't an adult. I was at a party and I was talking politics with this guy. And he clearly knew more about politics. Like he was a full-blown adult. And as I'm sitting there talking to him, I'm like throwing a couple things, he's throwing a couple things. And then after a while, I'm like, you're in too deep. <laughs> so I start throwing out buzzwords. I'm like, well, we need a filibuster. We're probably gonna need a filibuster. I don't even know what that means. And then I'm like, you gotta get out of here, you gotta get here. I'm like, you know what we need to do? We need to start at the state level. That's how we take back the house. All right, man, I'll see ya. And then I just like, get out of here now. State level. He's like, oh, he's thinking regional. It's at the grocery store the other day and this woman's like looking at carrots. And I stand next to her and I go, what are you buying, carrots? She goes, uh, yeah, buying carrots. And I go, you ever wonder what it was like the first day they found one? She goes, uh, nah, never thought of that. Right, well, I bet it was pretty interesting. Some guy was probably pulling weeds out of the ground all of a sudden. <laughs> Everyone around him was like, what is it? He's like, I don't know. And they were like, why don't you eat it? And he was like, what if I die? And they were like, what if you live forever? And she goes, I'm just going to get my carrots. <laughs> I like to talk to people. There was another woman behind me in line. She had a watermelon. I look back and I go, hey, that watermelon's too big. <laughs> she goes, how do you know? I go, because I'm looking at it. It's too big. <laughs> she goes, you don't even know how many people it's for. I go, how many people is it for? She goes, eight. I go, yeah, it's too big. I go, you're going to get home, you're going to have it, you're going to quarter it, you're going to cut up a quarter. You're like, oh, look, that's enough for everybody. Now you're stuck with three quarters of a watermelon. Maybe tomorrow you'll have that other quarter, but now you're stuck with a half a watermelon. Nobody's eating watermelon three days in a row. <laughs> she was so mad at me. She goes, oh, yeah? Well, two days ago, my husband ate an entire pineapple. <laughs> and I go, he ate an entire pineapple. She goes, yeah, he did. And I go... You gotta go get another watermelon. You out of your mind? This guy's sucking back pineapples. You gonna roll in with this? Get out of here. Nobody gets it. How many people when you're grocery shopping return the carriage, the shopping cart when you're done? How many people return it to the little corral? Good people. Good people. How many people tuck it behind a bush? They're like, this is someone's job to come get it. I love that you're like, it's goddamn right I do! <laughs> Keeping this economy strong. I've been on the fence, I've done both. For a while I returned, 
And then I got into, like, we were going to this one Vons, and the sharpening, usually the corrals were pretty close, and I would like to do this one where you push it and you try and glide it in. <laughs> like, you got to be careful. When you're shopping, you need to, like, bend it a little, like, know which way it rolls. Does it roll right? Does it roll left? Just so you can be that guy. You ever push it, and you let it go, and you're like, oh, shit, that's going to get a car, and you have to, like, chase it. <laughs> it's the worst. Someone sees you, like, ah, look at this idiot. I was trying to be cool. <laughs> I don't do either of those things anymore. Now I wait till I see somebody who's getting out of their car and I go, hey, you using a shopping cart? And they're like, yeah, why? And I go. <laughs> you ever seen a grown man try and receive a shopping cart at 25 miles an hour? They have no idea, they're like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but when they grab it, it's like they just like lassoed a baby calf. You know what I mean? Like they're at the rodeo go inside, maybe they pick up their wife. Because I've filled them with confidence. It's a transference of energy. Mr. J. Larson there. Stunted mental growth, the name of that bit. Fun fact about Mr. Larson, in high school, somewhere in Massachusetts, he was a pogo stick champion, which means that there is a pogo stick association or league Preceding Jay Larson, we heard from George Wallace, a bit called I've Been Thinking. Top of that short set, Rodney Dangerfield, Get a Horse. That's recorded in 1966, live at Upstairs at the Duplex. Let's hear some stand-up from 1950, Take It Away, Henny. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here because Lola wants me to be here. I don't have to do this for a living, you know. I bet on the race today. I bet on Nashua the place. <laughs> Feel good today. Just got back from Miami, ladies and gentlemen. They said, come down to Miami. This time of the year, you get a nice room near Miami Beach for $20 a week. I was living in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> I love the way the people talk down south. You walk out of a store, they say, hurry back here. Come back in your hair. They think you're deaf down there. I'm down on the wall and the fellow said, where you at? I was right there. <laughs> well, I got down to Miami and stopped at a very swanky hotel. I had to take a shave before they let me go in that barbershop. <laughs> this place was very elegant. They had wall-to-wall carpeting. On the ceiling? <laughs> they had a Persian rug made out of real Persians. Fella dropped a quarter, a fell up, saw it, picked it up, gave it back to the fellow, the man gave him a buck tip. <laughs> this is the way to live dangerous, isn't it? Here I am back on television again. I was on television about four weeks ago. I received two offers from plastic surgeon. <laughs> TV has changed the entire picture. I walked into my shoemaker. I said, give me half soles. He says, go away, I'm studying opera. <laughs> I got so many good stories. People have asked me, what are your pet stories? And tonight I'd like to tell a story, in fact, a few stories about two women in the lobby of a hotel and one says to the other one, what do you do to your hair? It looks horrible. It looks like a wig. She says, it is a wig. <laughs> she says, you know you can never tell? <laughs> you hear the story about the kid in Las Vegas? He says to his father, Pop, why can't I go out in the street and play football and baseball like the other kids? And the father says, keep dealing. 
You hear about the traveling salesman on the road, the car breaks down, he goes to the farmhouse, he says, can I stay overnight? My car broke down. Farmer says, sure, you can stay here overnight, we're rather crowded, you'll have to sleep in the same room with my son. So the traveling salesman says, yeah, I'm just being the wrong joke. I like, the guy, I like the story about the guy who tries to cross the border on the bicycle. He pulls up to the guard, the guard says, what do you got in the bags on your shoulders? He's a sand, he says, get them off, we'll examine it. So the guy takes the bags of sand up, puts it down, they open it up, there's sand in the bags, he puts it back on the shoulders, crosses the border on his bicycle. Two weeks later, the same guy shows up, same bicycle, same bags of sand, take them off, examine them, put them back on the shoulders, he crosses over the border on his bicycle. He does this for six months, finally one of the guards meets him down in the restaurant. He says, look, buddy, you got us crazy. I'm one of the guards on the job. We know you're smuggling something. I won't say anything to anybody. What are you smuggling? The guy says, bicycles. <laughs> I was just listening to Frankie Lane sing, and I want to tell you this boy is very loud. <laughs> I love that boy, the way he sings, but you don't need a voice. Nowadays, to sing, ladies and gentlemen, some of the songs are so silly. Uh, you wanted my when you knew it. I love some of the songs today. Now, here's a song that uh, here's a song that's a big hit today. It's called uh, uh, "I'm Walking Behind You." Don't stop short. <laughs> I was temperamental. My landlord wasn't gentle. <laughs> I couldn't pay the rental. <laughs> so now I sleep in Central. <laughs> Please, take it away. Concert, concert, please, loud. Hop, hop. Hop, hop. We have a little one like that. Home slice of eggs. <laughs> Want to get a guy crazy? Send him a telegram, but on top of the telegram, you put page two. All you married men who want to get your wife nervous, when you go to bed tonight, don't talk in your sleep. Just grin. <laughs> Here's a riddle for you. What looks like a lox, feels like a box, and flies? A flying lox box. <laughs> I don't mind you people walking out on me. It's when you come towards me. A flying lox box <laughs> Tony spelled backwards is ridiculous <laughs> Mothers and fathers, have your daughter 18 years or older Have a good talk with her, she'll teach you plenty Here now is one of America's brightest new monologists, Don Adams. Don? Don, what are you going to do for us tonight? Well, first, Steve, I'd like to sing a few songs, and then I'll go into my funny dance. Thanks a lot. I saw you scratching your forehead. Would you give me a little one here? That's fine. Here he is, Don Adams. Listen to this now. It's football season and all that jazz. Good evening. It's uh, my pleasure to spend the next few minutes with you, and I, uh, 
I cut a little article out of the paper that I thought might have be might be of some interest to you folks who are going Christmas shopping. It's uh, it says that they're developing a new car that will be powered by electricity, and uh, and this electrically powered car will cost about five thousand dollars. That's a thousand dollars for the car and four thousand dollars for the extension cord. <laughs> It might be a nice present. I imagine that a lot of the folks looking in tonight are married, especially the men. And, uh, <laughs> and those of you who are married are probably very familiar with the thing called women's intuition. Yes. Well, for those of you who are still bachelors and don't know too much about this, I should like to explain briefly how it works. For example, it's a cold morning and the car won't stop. And you've tried everything that you know how. You've cleaned the spark plugs, you've cleaned the carburetor, you've charged the battery. Nothing helps. The car won't start. And your wife walks in and you say, honey, the car won't start. And she says, of course, the bolt is loose on the license plate. <laughs> so you smile and you tighten the bolt on the license plate. Not only does the car start, <laughs> But the dashboard clock that hasn't worked in four years starts ticking like Big Ben. If something goes wrong with the television set, you don't send out for anybody, you don't bother with tubes, you go downstairs to the basement and you tap a certain pipe three times. Sometimes you tap the wrong pipe and you have to be led back down again like a child. I was working in the workshop the other day with an electric drill and the electric drill wouldn't work. And I said, honey, the electric drill won't work. And she said, change your shoes. <laughs> so I put on a pair of old white sneakers and the electric drill still wouldn't work. I said, honey, I changed my shoes and the electric drill still won't work. And she said, stupid. I said, change the fuse. Who ever heard of making an electric drill work by changing the shoes? This is the way it usually works. Uh, this naturally brings us to the subject of football. <laughs> I have just returned from a visit to my home, which is in New York, upstate New York, and while I was there, I went back to my old grammar school and I visited all my old teachers. They all remembered me. I just graduated last September. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. I'm a college man. I went to a little university in upstate New York, a small school. You've probably never even heard of it. Glick. <laughs> it's a small school. Anyway, we had a man up there, and he was a football coach, and he was one of the great football coaches. As a matter of fact, he was known in sports circles. Well, he was known just everywhere. We, we just used to like to think of him as Mr. Football. Leon Football was his name. <laughs> and I'll never forget the day that we played State University. It was during halftime, and he was giving us one of his magnificent pep talks. All right, men, I'm not going to stand up here today and give you one of my magnificent pep talks. I'm not going to remind you of your old alma mater. I'm not going to remind you of the honor and the glory of this school and its great colors. 
which have gone unblemished for the past week and a half. <laughs> now, I'm just going to remind you of the bets we have on this game. <laughs> We're loaded up to here. Those bookies mean business. <laughs> now, men, we've got a job to do, and we've got the players to do it with. Naglansky. And we expected bigger things from you this year, Naglansky. <laughs> well, just don't sit there when I'm talking. <laughs> That's better. Now, Zafmara, you're a good end. And Hopnagel, you're a good halfback. And a good end and a good halfback go hand in hand. But not on the campus. <laughs> student body a feeling of insecurity. <laughs> now, why can't you men try and be more like Jonesy? Incidentally, I want to commend Jonesy in the magnificent way that he tried to block that kick in the first quarter. Took real guts and courage the way he dashed in there like a maniac. <laughs> By the way, where is Jonesy? <laughs> that? What's he lying there for? <laughs> and stop sticking your tongue out at me. I'm your coach. <laughs> What's that? It's not his tongue. <laughs> well, somebody get that football out of his mouth. <laughs> One thing I can't stand, it's shirkers. All right, men, I've tried to do everything in my power to help you win this game. I want to apologize about using the poison gas in the first quarter. <laughs> As you know, the wind was blowing the wrong way. <laughs> and among other things, we lost our entire cheering section. <laughs> Well, nobody feels this more than I do because, as you all know, before becoming head coach here this morning, <laughs> I was assistant cheerleader for 27 years. And so at this time, I should like to lead you in one of my favorite cheers. All right? Everybody up. Boomalaka, 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 boom. Boomalaka, boomalaka, boom, boom. A lingalaka, a lingalaka. A lingarangatang, a rick, a rick a ticky tack, a rang, a rick a zack, a rack a lacky bo. A ring a ting, a rick a ticky tack, a brow wax, a wax, a wax, brow wax, a wax, high ho, high ho, walla go walla go wax. A rang a ting, a rick a lacky Ring a ting a lang a rang. A rang a tang, a rick a ticky tack, a ring a lack a boom. A ring a zing, a rang a lang a boom. Ring a tang, a ring a rack, a rick a ticky tack, a rang a lack a boom. Yay, glick. Trying to get you right in here, doesn't it? <laughs> Makes you sick to your stomach. All right, men, before sending you back out to that slaughterhouse, I just want to go over one or two more things. There have been some nasty, vicious, ugly rumors going around that I have tried to fix the examination papers and trigonometry of some of the members of this squad. And these ugly, vicious, nasty rumors have been directed at some of our new boys that we recruited from the Mau Mau. <laughs> 
All right, Ben, stop rattling those spirits. <laughs> In leaving you, I should just like to leave you with the words of the founder of Brick University, Morris L. University, who said... Boomalaka, boomalaka. Joey Bishop. You know Joey Bishop. Joey, would you do a favor for me? It's a personal favor. Anything you ask, Diamond? Well, um, would you smile for me just once? <laughs> now? Well, no, 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 no. No, I want to give you the right build-up and everything. You, you give him a close-up. Now, don't forget. Here, give him the close-up. And this is going to be a television first. You ready? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Joey Bishop smiles. That hurts. I don't know how she stands the pain. But I, I'm very uh, thrilled to be on the Dinah Shore show, and uh, I'm very happy to be here in Los Angeles. I'll tell you that. You people know how to live. You, you can't beat your freeways. I'll tell you that. Boy, it's wonderful. The underpasses, the overpasses, the cloverleaf intersections. I don't care where you live in Los Angeles. You hop in your car, get on any freeway, and in 15 minutes, you're lost. <laughs> well, I just came from uh, uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, and I'm very, very excited. I had a very good fortune of having worked there with some wonderful guys. Uh, and I was thrilled because my name was up there with them. Uh, Frank Sinatra, uh, Dean Martin, Sammy Davis Jr., Peter Lawford, and way on the bottom was my name. Only tall dogs knew I was working there. <laughs> so when we finished, the big thrill was that Jack Entrada, who books the shows at the Sands, he gave us all gifts. And uh, we never expected anything like that. Uh, Frank Sinatra got a beautiful wristwatch, and uh, Peter Lawford got a sweater. I got a set of golf clubs. Sammy Davis Jr. got a camera. And uh, Dean Martin got a cigarette lighter and emptied it in one gulp. It was just uh, beautiful. And there's a, a lot of talk, you know, that uh, Dean drinks a lot. That's not true. That's just publicity. Dean, as a matter of fact, is on a wonderful health kick. He takes very good care of himself. He has a beautiful home and a pool. And every morning he's up at 7 o'clock and takes his customary plunge right down the stairs. It's a, a, a wonderful feeling so when, you, when you hear that stuff. And they have beautiful homes here, I'll tell you that. Sammy Davis has a gorgeous home. I went out and visited him. The, the landscaping, the, uh, the shrubbery and the trees. See, I come from Philadelphia and... Uh, I lived in row houses. We never saw that, you know, shrubbery and trees. So if ever, uh, the good Lord willing, I ever become a star and I move to California, I'm going to get a home with lots of trees because I, I realize now that a house without a tree ain't fit for a dog. And, you know, you get a feeling like that. And Peter Lawford. Now, Peter Lawford is wonderful. You have not lived until you have been entertained by English hospitality. I went to Peter Lawford's home and he had 20 people for dinner and each one had a separate napkin. There's a, a wonderful feeling there, you know. And um, every room you walk in, there's a bowl of fruit on the table, and nobody's sick. You know, it's, a, it's wealth, I guess. I don't know. I thought they'd get a much bigger laugh. But they know how to live, you know. They, beautiful homes and furnishings. Uh, the way they spend their money, you'd think they were disc jockeys. But uh, they're enjoying it. And, uh, of course, my big thrill is that I'm uh, going to do a television series with uh, Frank Sinatra. It's called Where the Rio Grande Meets the Santa Fe Trail and the Cactus at the Old Corral Around the Tumbling Tumbleweeds. It's, uh, it's about two medical students in Vienna. It's, it's going to be a wonderful series. 
And then after that, I had my own television series. I played a part of a uh, psychoneurotic Robin Hood. Uh, I steal from the rich, but I keep it. Another big thing. And then I just finished a, a motion picture uh, called Ocean's Eleven. And uh, there's a rumor going around, and mind you, the picture's not even put together yet, that I may win an Academy Award. Now, a lot of you perhaps uh, have not heard this rumor. I just started it about a half an hour ago. <laughs> so I'd like to let you know. And then, that wasn't bad, two out of 400. And then, then the, the big break of my life, from which I may emerge a star, I have a very important role coming up. I play the part of an American GI who falls madly in love with a Japanese girl. And the whole thing is done in Japan. It's just gorgeous. And we're married, and I think I owe it to my mother to let my mother know that we're married, so I call her long distance uh, to Philadelphia, and I say, uh, Mom, you once told me if I met a girl and I fell in love, I should marry her. My mother says, with my blessings. I said, Mom, she's not an American girl, she's a, a Japanese girl. My mother says, it doesn't matter, love is international. And I, I say, Mom, I, I think perhaps you'd like to know also that she's 12 years older than I am. My mother says, age doesn't matter. If you love her, that's the important thing. As a matter of fact, I want you to come live with me. And I say, but mom, you only have one bedroom. And my mother says, don't worry. As soon as I hang up, I'll kill myself. <laughs> See, it's, a, it's a hard thing. And uh, so, anyhow, we, we, uh, we stay married, and uh, as luck would have it, we're blessed with a son. See? Now, years go by, and my son, my very own son, with my Japanese wife, is talking to me, and he says, and I say to him, I don't care, you're going to be bar mitzvah. It's a beautiful thing, and you see it, it all takes place. I get the strangest feeling that I'm finished. Will you at least let me say good night? Good night. That's the Rat Pack's own Joey Bishop, stand-up recorded in the year 1960. Preceding Mr. Bishop, we heard New York City's own Mr. Donald Yarmy, a.k.a. Agent 86. You know him as Mr. Don Adams. That's Mr. Adams' stand-up from 1957. Before Mr. Adams, we heard Mr. Henny Youngman from 1955. Hilarious stand-up right there. This has been episode number 57 of Music On with Music Off. This is volume two of our spotlight on stand-up recordings. I have two more tracks to take us out before this episode's close. We will hear from Mr. Carl Reiner and Mel Brooks from 2000 Years with Carl and Mel. The song, the track, I have to stop saying that. The track is called The Astronaut. And after that, we'll hear from the good Mr. Sid Caesar live from Dick Clark's Live Wednesday Night. That was a program that aired in 1978. Thank you for listening. Here is Mr. Brooks and Carl Reiner. We have our tape recorder set up at an army base. We can't tell you exactly where for security reasons. We're going to speak to some of the men who are billeted at the base. Sir, may we speak to you? Yeah, sure, go ahead. Yeah, sure you uh, can. What do you want to say? Say nope. it fast, don't catch us. Uh, sir, we were not going to say anything that will be against security. Uh-huh, uh-huh, no. uh-huh, sure. What do you do here at the base, sir? I'm an astronaut. Uh, are you, are you, sir, one of the seven astronauts who have been That's chosen? That's right, I'm one of the seven. They're uh, going to shoot me out into, into space, into the blue. Now, wait Up just... above buildings. 
Now, sir, just one moment. One moment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I seem to have... I'm a little nervous. I'm afraid I'm going to lose my life. That's why I'm nervous. Well, sir, may I ask you something? Sure. I saw the pictures of the seven astronauts that appeared in Life magazine. Oh, yeah, you saw those pictures, yeah. You are not among them. None of them are them. You mean those are not the real... No, those are models. You see, they... They can't take pictures of us. We're monkeys, man. What do you mean you're monkeys? Well, let me explain something. Those are seven handsome men. There's seven beautiful men. In life, As a matter man. of fact, one of them is very beautiful. That's my no, none of your business. None of my business. Now, those seven guys, they're models, see? You mean they're not really no, flyers? No, they're not really flyers. They're models. They say Commander Robert L. Jones. That's not Commander Robert L. Jones. You are? That's me? Estelle Winwood. God knows who he is. <laughs> who knows who he is? You mean, but they're you models. Mean, see, they're beautiful. They take pictures of them so that we're not ashamed for Russia to show such ugly little astronauts. You're not a very good-looking man. No, it? I'm a monkey. I'm very close. To... I'll tell you why. I was cleaning the latrine here at the base, see? <laughs> Oh. And the general came in to, to wash his hands, see? Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, you know, you look like a monkey. I said, thank you, sir. That's what you say to them when they insult you, see? Otherwise, now, wait, how do you... otherwise they stick their fingers in your nose and rip it off your face. They're tough. That's how you get to be a general. You're cruel and you're tough. Now, you sir, know, a general pulled my tooth out once in a parade ground, stuck his hand in my mouth, said, <laughs> said, here's your tooth, son. What? And pulled it out of my mouth. You know why? why? Because I giggle. <laughs> you don't giggle when a four-star general goes. Now, sir, now, when are you going up into space? Uh, Thursday. Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have told you that. Why not? Well, that's supposed to be a military secret. Oh, well... Forget I said Tuesday. Say Tuesday. Tuesday. We're going up Tuesday. You're going up Tuesday. We're going up to Space Tuesday, Tuesday right? Yeah. Tuesday about 4 o'clock. Yeah. Actually, it's Thursday. Fine. <laughs> well, sir, I don't think I should be hearing all this. Well, that's all right. I'm going to die anyway. I don't care. Sir, are you... You're really... I haven't got a chance. <laughs> it's very cold up there. Man. Have you ever been up on a test run? Yes, they have a machine here at the base, see? And they strap you in the machine and they whirl you around for about... Uh, three or four minutes, that's all you can take, and then you puke your guts out. <laughs> it's a terrible machine, see? I it's a great machine. I puke my guts out. I, 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 I can't take it. I'm, I'm nauseated three out of four hours in the day, in your 24-hour cycle. I had to learn all that. Yes. I had to learn the cycle of the moon and sun. Do you know that the Earth does not revolve around the sun? Wait a minute. I, it does. Wait, it, it does, does. yeah. It does. Yeah, wait. The moon doesn't revolve no, around the sun. No, sir. Wait a minute. We all revolve around the sun. <laughs> now, I'm a little disturbed. 16 out of 19 people revolve around the sun. <laughs> sir, I'm a little disturbed that they're sending you up to well, be the first man in space. You don't seem... You seem ill-equipped to be an astronaut. What do you mean? I got gloves and everything. <laughs> I mean... I mean intellectual. I've got a heavy fur hat. I mean I've got goggles and everything. Right. Excuse me, now I've got to get in the machine and puke my guts out. Pleasure. Oh, so none of the working with yes. you so long. You certainly do. Mr. Sid Caesar. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have you ever spoken? <laughs> Have you ever, you know, when you speak to somebody, uh, I mean, even if you don't know him or not, you know, when you walk away, you always think, what is he thinking about me? Right? 
Well, this can go with inanimate objects also, you know. I'd like to show you how this world of ours might look through the eyes of a penny chewing gum machine. <laughs> now, he's a very honest penny chewing gum machine. He's down in the subway, standing up, attached to a pillar in the subway, selling his gum. Here he is, the penny chewing gum machine. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, peppermint. Yes, sir. One penny. Thank you, sir. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Spearmint, yes, sir. One penny. Thank you, sir. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Yes, sir. One penny. Thank you, sir. Peppermint, spearmint, juicy fruit. Boy, it's going good, huh? People coming and buying, chewing gum. I like that. I like to see it, you know? Hey, I'm empty. Boy, I've never been empty before in my life. I, I, I don't know. I, I hope I don't get any customers. I don't want to cheat anybody. Oh, no. Here comes a customer. Gee, I hope the guys come to fill me up. Uh, oh, no, sir. No, 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 please, sir. Don't give me the penny. No, please, sir. No, don't give me the penny. No, I don't have any gum, so I don't want to cheat you, so don't give me the penny. I'm very honest about that. Please, don't, don't. I'll give you a penny back. There, so there's your penny back. No, please, sir, don't give me the penny. I don't, I don't, I don't have any gum, so please don't give me the penny. I'm trying to be very honest with you. Please, don't give me the penny, please. Please, don't. Don't give me the penny, please. I'm done. All right, I'll give you the penny back. There you are. There's your penny. No, please, sir, don't give me the penny. I, I told you I don't have any gum. What's all that about? Try <laughs> to be a nice guy, give him his penny back, he beats me up. <laughs> well, here comes the guys to fill me up. You're a little late, don't you think? <laughs> Go ahead, fill me up. <laughs> but that's the way the game is played, huh? Try to be nice to people, they beat you up. Okay. <laughs> you want to finish? Okay. See you in a couple of weeks or maybe a couple of months. Mm. Okay, now I'm all filled up with gum. Now I don't play the game my way. Peppermint, <laughs> spearmint, juicy fruit. Peppermint, spearmint, peppermint, yes, sir. One penny. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Would you like to try again, sir? Like to try again? Surely. One penny. Thank you, sir. And that's the way it went on. Day after day, week after week, month after month. And finally one day the guys came down to open me up and, and they saw those thousands and thousands of pennies and not one stick of gum missing. And finally one of the guys said, hey, this kid's got talent. We'll waste them down here as a penny chewing gum machine. Let's make him a slot machine. Let's make, him, let's make him a quarter slot machine. And that's what they did. Took me out of the subway, put me in a nice big plush hotel. And I had all new chrome, all new lights, and I had cherries and plums and bells, and lots of lemons, oh yeah. 
Ah, this is the life. No drafts, nice, warm. Ah. Oh, hey, kid. You're the new nickel machine, huh? How do you get to be a quarter machine? Watch this. See the fellow over there? See him? Watch it. Psst. Hey, Mac. Come here. Psst. Hey, Mac. Come here. Yeah, I'm talking to you. No, you're not drunk. I'm talking to you. Come here. You got a quarter? One quarter, you're a winner. I'm telling you, you got to win. I can't hold it any longer. Okay, here we go. One quarter, right? Watch this. Is watching. I can't pay off when the boss is watching, right? The boss is watching. Come on, try it again. Here we go. Oh, don't go away. Don't go away. Come on. You got two quarters invested. Come on. Somebody else will play me, put a quarter in, hit the jackpot, you'll throw yourself on the floor. Come on. Here we go. One more time. paid off. Oh, good luck to you. Yeah. I paid off. Oh, no. No, boss. No. I'm sorry. It was just a mistake, boss. No. It, 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 it would never happen again. It was just a lapse of memory, you know? I didn't... I, mean, I would never pay off. I'm just... Now, fellas, you want to put me down? I'm talking to the boss. Boss, I'm telling you. It was just a mistake. I'm just, it was just a lapse of memory. I can't... Fellas, you want to put me down? I'm talking to the boss. Boss, you want to tell him to put me down? I'm just talking... Fellas, where are you taking me? Hey, where are you taking me? I was just talking to the boss. We take me to a dark room like this. What... What's kind of going on here? Hey, what are you guys doing back there? Hey, you're taking my machinery out. What's going on? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what's, where are you taking me now? Hey, what kind of room is this? I've never been in this kind of room. What are you doing, put me up against the wall? What am I supposed to be? What am I? I'm a towel machine. Power machine in a men's room. Hmm. Where'd it go wrong? Where'd it go wrong? Where'd it go wrong? Where'd it go wrong? 